There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me today here on WCN-TV. I'm Pastor Mike. I want to read an excerpt from Chapter 1 of my guest's soon-to-be-released book, Shabua Millennium. And folks, I've, I've had a chance to go through this, uh, read a good portion of it. You'll want to get this book. And uh, let me just read this portion, though. Sets the course for the rest of the book. Chapter one says, the world today is a cesspool of lawlessness, depravity, corruption, and violence. It's shocking how fast we got here. And every day things to, seem to be getting worse. What in the world is going on? How many times you heard that question lately, friends? <laughs> what in the world is going on? I hear it repeatedly. Mike, what's going on in the world? Well, you're going to find out. Are the deteriorating conditions merely the growing pains of changing times that every generation has to cope with, or are these deteriorating conditions the very signs that Jesus said would mark the beginning of the end in Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8? Are conditions on this planet going to get better, or are they going to get even worse? Will there be a period of tribulation on earth and believers will suffer, or Will believers be in heaven with Jesus before it begins? Did Jesus rule out anyone knowing anything about the timing of his second coming? Or did Jesus leave the door open to knowing that his return will happen within a narrow range of years that has already begun? After Jesus' second coming, will believers immediately enter heaven for eternity? Or will they first spend 1,000 years on this existing earth? In Shabuah Millennium, we probe the Bible for answers to these questions and many others. Friends, we are living in exciting times. Can we agree on that? Now, I know some people would not use the word exciting to describe the days in which we live currently. But from a Christian perspective, friends, from a Christian perspective, these are exciting times because we are seeing current events line up with what the Bible states would occur. Now, I find that exciting. My hope is that this revelation, if it is a revelation for you, that statement will encourage people to begin to study the Bible again 
for themselves. My guest today is author Paul Wozniak, author of Shabua Days and his latest, soon to be released, Shabua Millennium. Not out yet, but stay tuned. I can tell you that Paul's desire is that people will begin to read and study the Bible with hope and belief that in it lie the answers to every issue that we face. For over 25 years, Paul owned and operated a successful accounting tax investment and consulting practice. During that time, he became proficient in doing the sophisticated research required to solve complex problems across multiple disciplines. And I can tell you something, researching is not an easy thing. It takes a lot of work, effort, and time. Well, 16 years ago, God called Paul out of the corporate world to do Bible research, to write, and to teach. His desire in founding Shabua and writing the Shabua book series, and there are plans for three, is to teach the Bible and to share his findings with other people. Welcome to WCN-TV, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a blessing to have you, to meet you, and to uh, read your book and see where your heart is for the Lord. I, I know that you agree with me that these are exciting times to be alive, uh, especially for Christians. Oh, my, I, I believe we live in the greatest times since the first century. You see, there was, a, there was an expectation in the first century that the Messiah was going to come. And faithful Jews expected that to happen. Um, unfortunately, many missed it. In the same in the same way, today there is an expect there is an underlying expect expectation among faithful Christians that Jesus is coming back soon, and the signs are all over the place, just like they were in the first century. Yes. In fact, Jesus, there's so many prophecies about his first coming, yet there's many more about his second coming. Yes. So I believe, Michael, as you as you as you opened um, in your monologue, that we are living in the greatest times. It's exciting, yeah. and the more you know about God's word, the more you understand these signs that are falling into place like dominoes. The more exciting it is. Truly, Absolutely. truly, truly, yes. So before we begin, Paul. Uh, discussing the book, a, a definition, I think, is an order of, of Shabuah. That would be helpful for our viewers. So so what is Shabuah? Sure. Shabuah is a Hebrew word. Mike, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew, well, let me just talk, tell you the way it's translated. In almost all translated, all tran Bible translations, it's translated as one single word, and it's typically weak, W-E-E-K, as in our seven-day week. Um, and there's a couple occasions on which it's translated as the number seven, S-E-V-E-N. So those are the two ways it's translated. However, the word Shabua in Hebrew is actually a term. So those one word definitions do not help convey the full meaning of a term. And the best way to illustrate this is to look at our word dozen. When you hear the word dozen or think of the English word dozen, you automatically think of 12 of something, right? Yes. 12 of something. Yes. But if you, but that's because we know what the term means. The Hebrews knew what the term Shabuah meant. Let's, going back to our word dozen, the word dozen actually is a two-part word that is a term as well. 
you see, we don't see the term. We just meet, we just know a complete group of 12. So Shabuah in Hebrew is a complete time period of seven. That's what the term means. It's got two, two word roots in, in, the, in the single word Shabuah. One has the, has the connotation of something complete or satisfactory or full. And the other one is the is the, the number seven, the number seven. So it means those two things, um, seven and complete. And the term is used always, always, 100% of the time in the Bible in reference to a time period. So in a nutshell, a Shabuah is a complete time period of seven. That's, that's it. It's a complete time period of seven. Now, it doesn't say what that interval is. What the interval of seven is, is determined by the passage, by the context of the passage. Sometimes it is express, where it, is, it might be days. Some of it, time, days or years. Some of times it is implied as days or years. So you have a complete time period of seven days. Of course, that would be the six days of creation plus the seventh day of rest. Yes. And then there's also a Shabuah of years. And that would be a complete time period of six years of work plus one year, year of rest. So the Shabuah of days and the Shabuah of years are used repeatedly throughout the Bible. Uh, a student of the Old Testament is greatly aware of this. Yeah. And when, when it's used, it's always used as the seven in reference to six plus one. So it's always six periods of work, whether it's days or years, and always one period of rest, which the Bible calls the Sabbath. So in um, uh, what, what we were talking about offline, Mike, and, and the, my, the new book coming out, it's about a Shabuah of millennia. So the Shabuah of days, Shabuah days, it's a complete time period of seven days. They always repeat. They're consecutive. You, you finish one complete time period of seven days. It's followed by another and another and another. Same thing with years. One complete time period of seven years of a six plus one, a Sabbath rest on the seventh year is followed by another. And the whole point of understanding the Old Testament and understanding the word Shabu is to, is to know this, that in God's ordained timing, it, he all he also orchestrated a complete time period of seven millennia, seven millennia. That means six millennia of work, and followed by this would be Revelation twenty, one final millennium, the thousand years of rest. Yes. So, in a nutshell, there's Shabuah days, a Shabuah years. And there's a Shabuah of millennia. Yes. Yes. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep, sure does. And I, I remember the first time I came across the term and, and uh, understood what it meant was when I was uh, studying and researching through Daniel and in preparation for teaching. And, of course, that's a, that's a prime example of what you've just described, Paul, uh, as it relates to uh, Daniel's 70th week, the 70 weeks of Daniel and, and, and so on. So, so uh, you subtitled the book "Long-Term Biblical Timing." Now, how does that tie into the Shabuah Millennium? Well, 
the 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 first shibula is implied. I told I mentioned that a shibula can be an ex, express. In other words, it's it says a shibula of days or a shibula of years. It also can be in, implied. Um, let's let's take the the first very first shibula, the precedent setting shibula. That would be the Shavuot days of creation and the and the one day of rest. Yes, that sets the stage. It's the precedent-setting event that sets the stage for every other Shavuot. And so, God's God created in six days and rested on the seventh. In Second Peter eighteen, it says that one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And in a nutshell, and this is really in a nutshell, the extension there is that it part of part of the there's a lot of other verses that come into the fold. But just in very simple terms, that one thousand years equals one day. What God is trying to tell us in that instance is that one day, in this case, six days or six thousand years is to God as one day. As, as six days of creation and the one day of rest in the in the chapter two of Genesis is the one thousand years of rest in Revelation 20. So the 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 direct equivalent there for biblical purposes is is the the association of one day with a thousand years. Yes, yes. Now friends, one of the things you're gonna like about this book when it's out. Again, it's not out yet, so you're going to have to wait on it, but you're going to like it, is that Paul does a great job, lots and lots and lots of charts, and it is scripture-saturated, scripture-saturated. He's not just throwing ideas out there and, and hoping that you'll believe them, but in, in, instead, he'll give you uh, what the scripture says and explains it so on page 20, Paul, you you mentioned some of these uh, Shabuah days, examples of them. I, I, I threw Daniel out there because that was the first one that came to mind. Um, but Shabuah days, you mentioned creation already. There was six days of work and a day of rest for seven. There, uh, uh, the manna, uh, when the manna came to the to the Hebrew people in, in the desert, they were allowed to gather for six days and they were not permitted to do so on the seventh to, to rest. Mike, that's um, actually the first time she, the, the Sabbath is mentioned in the Bible. Yes, in that instance. Many people many people think, think the first time the Sabbath was mentioned when God gave us the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and it was not. It happened here in the command regarding resting on the uh, seventh day in gathering. Yes, yes, amen. Now I like this one too, and a lot of people don't don't uh, uh, even think about this one, but it's the biblical wedding, the picture of the biblical wedding. Yes, very good. Well, there's uh, another aspect to that, Mike. Uh, the biblical wedding, if you understand a, a Hebrew wedding, um, there is a seven day period. Yes, and and we get and if you look closely at the at uh, Jacob's wedding to Leah and Rachel. You can find it. it, it, it there's a, uh, the word is Shabuah. It's a Shabuah. There's a period of six days, and on the seventh day they had a they had a the, a marriage feast. 
It was very important. The seventh day was a marriage feast. And that marriage feast always occurred at the bride's home. And what's fascinating about this, Mike, is that the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, that when Jesus returns to earth with, his, with us, with believers, after, at, in his second coming, believers return to earth with Jesus. And when he comes to earth, that's at the end of the 6,000 years, and the marriage supper of the Lamb occurs on earth. That thousand years is the equivalent of that day, that wedding in a, in a Hebrew wedding. It's fascinating. All of these examples have elements that are just, it's mind-boggling. It, it, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, the year of Jubilee. That's yes. a pattern. That's a pattern. Um, of course, I mentioned Daniel already. Tribulation period, that's an easy one. And we're going to talk about that uh, in a, a good deal of our remaining time together. Um, but God's master plan, you already mentioned that. Yes. Yes. So, so this one is implied. But we have so many touch points. That, that God gives us to not only to, to fill in the blanks that are, that are there all over scripture that tells it that this is reality. Um, in order, to, under, in order to, to, for it to make sense, you have to understand when the 6,000 years began. Because, and what I, have, what I will have in that, in that book when it, it's coming up, Mike, uh, I have a timeline. I put us 26 step abbreviated Bible timeline so that you can get from creation to the, to the current day in, in 26, 26 biblical verses or, or passages. It, and it's, it's not, this, this is just a small example. I've done a very detailed timeline. It's on an Excel sheet that is massively wide and big but this is a summary that shows you that we can't actually get there and when you do this analysis you find out that 4004 bc was the year of creation and if you take 4004 bc and add 6000 years we arrive at the year 1997 so you see you would think that it appears that we've exceeded the 6000 years of a Shavuot millennium, and that th that wouldn't make sense. But that's not that you have to understand another biblical concept, and that biblical concept is this: Mike is that God created perfection. When God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. Everything was perfect. Adam was perfect. Eve was perfect. The environment was perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no pain, suffering, anything. It was perfect. So the the Everything changed on the day that Adam and Eve sinned. You see, that's when sin mm -hmm. and death and evil entered the world. And that, Mike, is when the Shabuah millennium began. That's when the first day of the 6,000-year period in God's pl master plan for humanity, that's when it began. And when that 6,000 years expires, that's when Jesus would return to earth. So that's, in a nutshell, God's master plan. It's 6,000 years. It began when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And when it ends, Jesus returns to earth. Right now, technically speaking, 1997, 2023, we're, how many years is that? 26? 
26 years. So we're 26 years. Um, and that means we're 26 years into this uh, period beyond. How do I explain this? So uh, let me let me back up and, and rephrase that for you, Mike. Sure. Sure. Adam and Eve were at this point, were in the Garden of Eden, and they had not sinned for a period of at least 26 years. Now, we don't know. We don't know the date, and the Bible does not tell us when Adam and Eve sinned and were cast out of the garden. Correct. So we don't know when that 6,000 years will expire. We know that they refrained from sin for 26 years, which, which I think, I mean, knowing my human nature, that's a long time. 26 years is a long time before Satan entered the picture. Maybe he entered it early. We don't know. But he entered the picture, they sinned, and that 6,000-year period began. So the good news is, the good news is, is God only will allow 6,000 years. This pain, suffering, this insanity is not going to go on forever. And the unique thing in God's master plan, he tells us that towards the end of this 6,000 years, and this is what's relevant, as we get towards the end of this 6,000 years, it is going to exponentially increase. The Bible uses the word takal, which in the Greek word means it's, it, it's like, like our English word tachometer, which mm -hmm. means when it begins, it accelerates rapidly. It's like, it's like a vroom. Yes. And that is exactly what's happening, Mike. All yes. part of God's master plan to answer your question. Yes. Yeah. The thing that I appreciate about your about your book, too, Paul, is that it reminds me that um, we don't need to add anything to the scriptures. We certainly are, are admonished never to even try to add or subtract because the Bible self-authenticates itself. The Bible is its own answer to the questions you may have. I, I just tell people, hey, keep reading. If, you, if you're confused, keep reading because you're going to find the answer uh, in the scripture. Um, getting back to the Daniel, uh, to the prophet Daniel, um, he said, he wrote that a time would come when the Bible's meaning would be unsealed. He was instructed, uh, seal this up for the latter days and 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 that knowledge would increase when the Bible's message was going to be unsealed, more and more people would understand. I think, but I'd like your thoughts. I think we're in that day right now. 100%. 100%. God told Daniel, he told him, seal the words of this book. And you've got to understand that what Daniel was writing, Daniel was a prophet. He was a Bible prophet, and he was prophesying. God was speaking to him things that would happen. And so many of those things have happened precisely as precisely as God spoke through Daniel. Yeah. And that, and and actually, it probably I would I would venture to say ninety plus percent of the things Daniel, maybe more than that, ninety five percent of the things Daniel prophesied have come to fruition so that let's just say that five percent that's remaining we've got it we've got an outstanding chance that that, that those are going to happen mm -hmm. and uh daniel 
in telling in God telling Daniel to seal the words of the book, he told him to seal them until the time of the end. And just all and there's so many things. Mike, you and I know we could we could chat for hours about all the things that are happening, like dominoes that are just falling one after another, just saying, oh my goodness, this has been predicted. Jesus gave us 10 things before the tribulation, because there's a seven-year period of tribulation that I think most of your viewers would understand, correct? Yes. There's a seven-year period of tribulation. Before that seven-year period, uh, believers are on earth and they're take, taken away in the rapture. So we don't suffer the, 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 through the tribulation. But before that period, Jesus told us in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, he told us that we would experience the beginning of birth pangs. And this word is, these three words, the beginning forwards, the beginning of birth pangs. It's actually five words. Those words have significance. Because the birth pangs in the Bible, in a nutshell, are, is the tribulation. The actual birth pains are the tribulation. That would be equivalent for a, your, for a female of the actual labor, the actual physical contractions in preparation for birth. But in, in those gospel passages that I mentioned, Jesus was not talking about the actual birth pangs. He was talking about the beginning of birth pangs. So for yes. the females and men to understand this, this is the so-called false labor, the Braxton Hicks, the, um, the, the, the like pre-labor sometimes they call it. Mm -hmm. So we today are in that period of the beginning of birth pangs. The reason I can say that with confidence, Mike, is because all 10 things that Jesus mentioned would happen, all 10 of them have happened and are continuing to happen. And the reason I uh, I skipped Shabuah years, I was halfway through writing Shabuah years, and the reason I skipped the Shabuah millennium is because the 10th thing that Jesus mentioned happening had, had not happened. And in the second week of COVID, remember, remember flatten the curve, Mike, 15? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, when that happened after two weeks and it and it didn't just go away and it and it, then it was a month and then two months and then three months and of course it's been years and we're still dealing with it but what to me what happened god just it, it, it there was nothing magical i just woke up one morning in this covid fear frantic you know just craziness and i just said god is this the pestilence that you talked about happening in your gospels, you see, pestilence in the in scripture is the English word, but the but the Hebrew word actually means the disease pandemic, and we in the 20, 21st century haven't we've had the swine flu, but we've never really had a significant worldwide pandemic, and so when this happened, that was to me, Mike, the tenth domino in this. Braxton Hicks pre-labor period that Jesus described as the beginning of birth pangs. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a good analogy. You, you had mentioned um, uh, before we went on the air, um, your, your trips over to the Middle East, the research that you 
that you did there months, in fact, in very remote parts of uh, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, documenting these biblical sites and with pictures and, and videos. I, I imagine seeing all of that firsthand with your knowledge of the scriptures as a background really, really strengthened your faith. Oh, Mike, I, I, I you know, you know, Mike, actually, this is, this is what happened. God called me out of the business world. He called me out I, I phenomenal business, 25 years in business. I'm back on law, finance, and, and, uh, business and uh my a great business and god just he called me out of it he made it unmistakable and i had no idea what i was going to do and mike to tell you the truth i really wasn't i really didn't know much about the bible 16 years ago uh, even though i had been the leader chairman of the board of a very large church my bible knowledge was very very low very low i never honestly read through the Bible, uh, read through the entire Bible. I didn't, I, like many people, thought, why do I need to read the Old Testament? It's old for Pete's sake, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's the New Testament, right? So I had enough information about the New Testament to be dangerous by using scriptures out of context, etc. But when God called me out of the business world, he, he, I, I committed to him, I said, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Old Testament. And I have heavy research in my in my career, and and so when I opened the Bible on the first day, 16 years ago, um, I started with Genesis 1:1, and I can't read it like a novel. I have to dig and devour and meditate and and just wrestle. I just wrestled with God till I got. Till I, till I, till I felt like he gave me answers. That's, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And, and in the process, I got excited about Bible archaeology, Mike. And that's why I went to Israel. So for five, the first five years of my trying to figure out what God wants me to do was Bible archaeology. I went all over the Middle East, did insane things, insane things that nobody should do. I got in so much trouble, Mike. You can't believe it. Oh, I caused a pro I, I mean, did, the worst thing I did is I caused a problem between two countries that involved the heads of state. <laughs> and, I, I, and I've been, oh, I've had, I've had incredible things happen to me. But God wanted me to go there. He wanted me to take video, videos, and He take, wanted me to take pictures. And I think He and and I haven't published anything yet because God hasn't called me to do it yet. But there will be time to come that because I've got some very powerful information. But what he did, what he did, what he did is he reinforced the absolute accuracy of his work to the very, I mean, to every detail, every detail. And that's why when the Bible, if you read the Old Testament and you read all these details, all these incredible details about time, about places, about what, what people saw, where they're at, like Mount Sinai is black on top because it's got burnt, right? You know, those sort of things, they're all there in scripture. Why are they there? I think they're there for a reason. Yes. And we today, we today have the technology to see them firsthand and we don't have to have to leave our seats actually, but to get to, you know, I, ironically, when I started this research, a little, little 
um, little company called Google Earth started. <laughs> so my mind exploded because here I'm here I'm studying God's word at the same time I'm able to to try to find things on a global map, and it it was actually mind boggling. Yeah. So going to going to the Middle East, I'd spend months 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 at a time going to israel jordan and egypt and not the tourist places these are places where the bible is perfectly preserved because it's in military areas terrorist areas places you cannot go places that i that i shouldn't have gone but god called me to go and i went without fear i had camouflage the whole deal it was uh it was quite crazy yes <laughs> Amen. You know, folks, this is for our viewers, but there are lots and lots and lots of, of references to time in the Bible. I, I am uh, didn't I, I told you today or yes, today we were chatting on the phone, Paul, and, and I'm teaching through Ezekiel on Wednesday nights here in uh, Calvary, Lima. And one of the things that I've learned uh, that I didn't didn't realize before is that God put, I call them time stamps. God put time stamps all the way through that book of Ezekiel to let us know this happened on this particular day because it gives us the year of the rain. It gives us a month. It gives us a day throughout that. Um, that's something that that a lot of Christians don't pay much attention to is, is the element of time, but it's very important feature and God gave it to us on purpose, didn't he? Oh, he sure did. And Ezekiel is such a good illustration. Ezekiel, just each chapter marches through the period that we're living in today. Israel out of the land. Then, you know, then they're back in the land. And then the land is, un the land is unfruitful. It's, it's a desolate wasteland. And then, it's, and then it's prosperous. And then it takes us through, well, they're in the land, but they're un in unbelief. But, but then, of course, you get to Ezekiel 38 and 39 which you'll get to probably in a few weeks, right? Yep, yep. I'll be there in a few weeks. And that's a period we've not yet entered. But you True. see, that's a, Ezekiel there is, is, is a timeline in and of itself. Yes. That's, that's marching us through the timeline of, what's, of, of actually what's happening in regard to Israel. That's yes. Israel's history right there. Yes. And when it talks about the, uh, the dry bones, the by, dry bones are going to come out. Of, uh, two times it says, God, God says, I will open your graves and, I will, graves and I'll raise you out of your graves. And God is literally going to do that. God is literally going to do that. God mm -hmm. is going to bring the people of Israel back to life in their whole homeland as he's promised more times than you and I could count probably, Mike. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. Paul, you talk about three uh, key or core words throughout this this book those words are precedent pattern and prophecy how are those uh related to understanding uh, future events oh well this is this is something i didn't have any i've been in a church that uh that is topical that to, teaches topically so i've never I've never gone through the Bible with anybody. I've never had that kind of teaching. So the, 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 the knowledge I gained is from actually from reading the Bible itself. And so 
what I kept, what, what happened when I was reading and studying and just meditating on scripture, Mike, is I kept seeing this phenomenon, I'll call it phenomenal, because it, it, it occurred in threes. It occurred in, in, in a, a set of threes. And that you would have precedent-setting events that would be repeated. Maybe once, maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand times it would be repeated. And so when you have a, a precedent in, in, is simply something that, that occurs, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a precedent-setting event. It's a, it's a one-off event. When something, when a precedent is repeated, well, that's, of course, a pattern. So you have these precedent-setting events in the Bible, and they're repeated over and over and over. So those are, I call patterns. And then what I've noticed so many times, repeatedly, over and over and over, is that you have a precedent and a pattern that points to, a, to, a, to the future, to an event in the future that will be fulfilled. And, and I call that prophecy. And, and some of those prophecies have been fulfilled, and some of those prophecies remain unfulfilled, so they're still pending. So I call this phenomena, this Bible phenomena, precedent, pattern, and prophecy. And they are everywhere. And, and in fact, precedent, pattern, and prophecy, Jesus concurs with this because he he. Uh, actually, he confirms the Shabuah Millennium, our, our, the whole concept of a Shabuah Millennium. He and Peter, by the way, both do that in yes. one in 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 one passage. Jesus does in the Gospels, and Peter does it as well. Do you want to know what that is? Yes. Okay. Well, it's chapter um, it's chapter seven in the book. Yes, chapter seven, Preston Pattern Prophecy in, in the upcoming book. And it has to do with this. Um, I'll give you the passages so you can refer to them. I've got a table I'm trying to find so I can. Okay. For you, Mike, page 219. 219. Okay. And for your listeners, this would be Luke 17 and 2 Peter 2. So Luke 17 is, of course, the words of Christ. Yes. And and 2 Peter 2, of course, is God's word also, but through the voice of Peter. So verses, in, uh, verses 26 and 27, uh, producer, in Luke 17. Yes, that would be the precedent. Yep. The pattern is verses tw is, uh, is also in Luke 17, verse 28 and 29. Yep. And the prophecy is verse 30. Yes. Yeah. So there's a very good illustration of precedent pattern prophecy. So let me explain that in a nutshell. Okay. So there's a precedent setting. This is this is the words of Jesus. Uh, there's a precedent setting event that Jesus said will be fulfilled in the future. That precedent setting event, Jesus describes, is what happened 
in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, of course, there was a flood. And also in, in, in the days of Noah, God preserved a remnant. It was Noah, his wife, and his three children. So God did this. God is using this to tell us about what's happening in the future. The pattern that Jesus gives us is in the days of Lot. In the days of Lot, of course, you have you have uh, Lot being in Sodom, but being taken out right before God rained down fire and sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, both of those illustrations by Jesus are pointing to a, to are helping us understand a future time. He's helping us understand a future time when there will be a tribulation. And during that tribulation, God will preserve a remnant. The remnant he preserves through the tribulation. In other words, they will live to the, they will not die. They will live through the tribulation and they'll be the only ones who are saved during the tribulation. Yes. And that will be Israel. Yes. yes. Same thing in Second Peter. In Second Peter 2, this yep. would be verse 5. That's the precedent. Second Peter verse 2, verse 6 and 7. That would be the pattern. And Second Peter verse 2, verse 9. That's the prophecy. Yes. Same thing. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the illustration there. Now, the beauty of this is, the amazing thing, is that God did not say in the days of Enoch. He said in the days of Noah. And that's significant. A lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of talks that people associate Noah with the church being saved, but that is not correct. Noah, in fact, went through the flood. He was saved. He went through the flood and he lived after the flood. Enoch, on the other hand, who fathered the last, the, the last man that would live on earth before the flood. In fact, Enoch's son, Methuselah, his name means when he dies, there shall be an emission. The, the year that Methuselah died, the flood ravaged the earth. So Enoch, it says, if you read the, the, the account of Enoch in the Bible, it says he was taken. He was not, and he was with God. So Enoch disappears, and his son is the last person to die before the flood ravages the earth. Noah is saved out of the flood. Same thing with Lot. Jesus did not say in the days of Abraham. He said in the days of Lot. Why did he say that? He said that because he was, he was referring again to the Israel remnant who will be saved through the tribulation. Yes. Abraham was, was on the mountain high above Sodom when God rained down fire and sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. The interesting thing is, if you read the account closely, you realize that Abram, Abraham and this was with the Lord. Abraham was with the Lord on the mountain, and he remained with the Lord while, while Jesus 
sent the angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy those cities. In the same way, Enoch was, in the same way that Enoch was with God, Abraham was with the Lord. In the same way, of course, it's all a parallel. We will be with Jesus. The Israel rem, remnant will be on earth. Every non-believer will die that lives until the end of the seven years. But the remnant will the remnant will be spared of it all. Of course, there will be people saved during the tribulation. The unfortunate thing is they will suffer and they will be and they, they will die. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be yes, there will be martyrs. And we know that uh, from Revelation, the martyrs under the altar and correct. correct. So that's the ultimate illustration of a precedent pattern and prophecy. But I encourage your your listeners, Mike, that every time you read a story, those stories aren't just stories. That's right. They aren't just stories. Those are those are pieces of the public puzzle that's God giving us little gems, little diamonds that God wants us to take and put together in this beautiful mosaic that's called His Word to us. It's amazing. It is amazing, Paul. And yeah. Every word that Jesus spoke was intentional, friends. If he mentioned someone's name instead of someone else, you should be asking the question, why did he mention his name, as, as Paul just explained for us? Well, in the time we've got left, Paul, and uh, I think we're probably going to have to get together again and continue this conversation because there's no way we're going to, we're going to, well, we'll scratch the surface. We'll put it that way. We'll scratch the surface. But chapter three uh in my opinion was the the best chapter in the book because it deals with the book of revelation now i want to introduce what what you wrote here uh in this chapter by by reading here um you say in light of the importance of its message consider now these nine compelling reasons to read and study the book of revelation First of all, it is the revelation of Jesus. It's not the book of revelations, but it's the book of revelation. It is a testimony of Jesus. So that's that's reason number one. Wouldn't believers want to know what Jesus intended for us to know living in the days before his return? He absolutely wants us to know these things. Study the book of Revelation, friends. It is a message for every believer in every church. I can't tell you how many times I've emphasized this, Paul. Jesus said to, ev to every church that he addressed in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he always ended his letter to them. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's to us today, friends, to us today. It is a blessing. It is a book that that says, uh, "Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophet, uh, prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it." Uh, the New American Standard says, "Heed them, and take them to heart." Um, manifestations and disclosures, the things that you have seen. In fact, friends, uh, you've never studied the book of Revelation. Go to uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. It gives you an outline for the entire book. It tells John is instructed, write the things which you have seen. Well, that's the risen Christ, right? 
the resurrected risen Lord, the things which are, so, so the letters to the churches comprise that which are during John's time period and the things which soon shall be. Well, that's chapters four through the end of the book. And, and, and we are living in those chapters right now, friends. So I'm, I'm going to stop there, Paul. I could go on. You've got nine of them, but I look, thank you for putting this in here because that's a great encouragement for people to actually, I can't, as a pastor, I'm, I'm baffled by people say, oh no, I, I'm not going to study the, I don't want to read the, my, oh no, my pastor won't study that or teach that. It's just too confusing. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's not confusing. It's very clear what he's saying. Your thoughts? Well, like the, uh, I too never read the book of Revelation. Um, I read the New Testament, uh, parts of it, knew a lot of it, but not well, until I read the Old Testament. Yes. When I read the Old Testament and then, so, and, and studied the, the Old Testament for probably two years. So for, after the first two years, I reread the New Testament and it was like, all I can say is, Mike, it was like it was like God took blinders off me and I was seeing things like for the first time that I never saw before. Yes. It, it was it was just he opened the window of my mind to the incredible detail and the perfection of his word. Things aren't close, they aren't about. Uh, in God's economy, things are exact, they're spot on, they're perfect. Yes. And and that's what I found. And and my in in my study of Revelation, so then I, of course, I dive in. I studied. I I took it apart. And I didn't use any template. I didn't read any books to do it. I just started reading Revelation. And to me, it boils down to into nine divisions. And I don't know what you think about those nine divisions, but I've now taught Revelation, uh, taught the Book of Revelation three times, and I break it down to these nine divisions, and people say that they've never understood revelation before and that by just breaking it into these nine divisions it, it makes total sense i realize nine is a lot yeah. but it's not in the in the scheme of things if you just think of it in terms of nine pieces yes and you, and you understand what those pieces are it it's a lot easier yes absolutely i agree with that and we've we do we we do have a few minutes so i'm going to give those nine divisions Paul, and this is from page 44, chapter three of, of the book that I have. Um, so division number one is chapter number one, Jesus in heaven, the, the resurrected risen Lord. Uh, division two is chapters two and three. It deals with the seven ecclesias. Um, division three is, is chapter four, verse one, which is the rapture of believers. Uh, chapter four or division four is, is chapter four, verse two through chapter five, verse 14. Uh, deals with believers in heaven seated on their thrones that you you talk about the 24 elders and why those are redeemed saints right. agree agree wholeheartedly with that oh thank you that's that you, I'm, I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you I'll, I'll come back to that after you finish no no you go right ahead okay. well that 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 right there mike is that uh, is i understand a, a big big point of controversy and it, it for that that specific passage people um, have a tart because of that passage people have a hard time believing that a lot of people that that the um, that the church they think the church goes through the rapture because in most translations unfortunately 
In most translations, they use the wrong translation of those words. So I go to great, um, and the, what, we're, what I'm talking about is the church believers in heaven. You see, chapter 2 and 3, the church is on earth. Yes. That's the letters to the churches. That's, as you said, that's what is our, that's what exists. We are, we are the church on earth. We're living in chapter 2 and 3. Yes. The chapter uh, 4, verse, verse 1, the v- very first verse after the church age, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, is the rapture verse. And that is an isolated verse. It is both preceded and followed by the Greek word metatauta, which means after this. So what God's screaming to us is that this is a single, solitary, isolated event. It is referring to my taking believers in the church that I just covered, taking them up to heaven, and chapter, and that what, what that follows with is the rest of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5 is the church in heaven. Now, the disconnect here is because it is because of translations don't use the personal pronouns in a song that is written there. And that the song for your, for your listeners is uh, Revelation chapter five. The new song is Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, through 9 through 10. Yes. And it's the pronouns. Which translation do you use, Mike? I use the New American Standard. And uh, unfortunately, it does it does not use the the uh, first person, the, the proper pronouns. And I recognize that when I was doing my study. Yeah. <laughs> so... When I taught through it, it's like, no, this is we and us, and it's referring to the saints that are in heaven now. That's who that is. That's who that is. Yeah. So it has to do that. It's, it's the, it, it, for your listeners, in a nutshell, this song that these believers in heaven, they're called the 24 elders. So when Church age believers after the rapture, church age believers are called the 24 elders. They are singing. They are now in heaven. They've just been raptured. They're now in heaven in chapters four and five. And they're singing a new song to, or we are singing a new song to our Lord. And there's, so we're singing a new law to to the Lord about ourselves. We're overjoyed. It's we, the, the, the pronoun should be we, us. Yes. And the translations, including mine, Mike, I use the ESV. And that translation also uses the third person pronouns is they, them, referring to somebody else. Yes. And this is a big problem. This is a big yes. problem. And I'm writing, by the way, to the editors of, of, of Bible saying, you've got this wrong. And it's a major point. Yes. Because it's we who are raptured. It's not going to be someone else later on down down the line that goes through the tribulation. That's right. So anyway, yep. I hate to, sorry to go to that segue, but that's that's <laughs> you, 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 you. Oh, it's important. It's push important. The button, you push the button of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, people need to understand. Um, and I know I 
Well, I probably shouldn't end our chat this way, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> don't don't offend people and then hang up, right? <laughs> um, perfection and infallibility, inerrancy, are characteristics of the manuscripts, folks. The autographs, as they're called. Um, and I'll leave a go at that. If you don't understand what that means, then you can't be offended by it. But <laughs> Paul, it's it's been great, brother. It has been great. Love you. And best to your listeners. Thank you so much. Love you too, brother. Hey, that's all we've got today, friends, on uh, WCN TV. The book is Shabua Millennium. When it's out, well, by, you, you know, you can go to the to the website and subscribe. Uh, and you'll send, you'll get emails. So yeah, if you just scroll down there, um, yeah, I think there's a place you can subscribe and you'll get notifications and information. And when the book is out, Shabu Day is already out. So go get that. You can get it on the website. Um, and I would encourage you to do that. So God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today and share this, share this show around on your platforms. Amen. See you next time.